All right, good morning. It's so awesome to see each one of you. I'm excited about today. How about yourself? Right? Yeah, great weekend. Everybody's loving it, right? All that great stuff. Man, let me tell you what. Yesterday, my family, my wife, uh, she's like, look, we, school's about to start. We've got to go do some shopping. You know, oh, numbers are rolling through my head. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so we, we get up there and on the way back, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, it's our anniversary weekend. What she told me, don't embarrass me, right? And I just wanna say, you know what, Margie, you completely took care of that for me by embarrassing Andrea. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic. But, but here, here's a story. I didn't tell this in the first service. So this is a bonus for those of you who procrastinated to come to the second service. Did you like that? Come on, man, that was funny. That was, some of y'all later on will be like, oh, okay, I, amen, yes, okay. So anyway, so, so we're driving, you know, across the causeway yesterday and Andrea's going through her phone. She hooked it up to the Bluetooth and she's like, wait to hear this song. I wanna see if you remember it. You, you, look, guys, if your wife says, I wanna see if you're gonna remember it, ugh, it, panic, panic sets in, right? Like, oh my gosh, don't mess this up. You know, don't, don't mess this up. So anyway, so she's going through her phone and, and she starts playing these songs and they're, they're from our wedding. And oh yeah, until the kids are like, get it off, we don't like it. That's boring, that's a stupid song, you know, all that great stuff. And then she looks at me, like I said, and says, please don't embarrass me tomorrow. So don't, you just can't tell me not to do those things because it just, I can't help it. I just, it's like, uh, pray for me. I didn't, I didn't. Anyway, so here we are. We are in, um, you know, Typically we do sermon series and uh, we stay within a central theme within that sermon series. But um, as I mentioned to you last week, I was just like, you know what? I'm just looking for some, I think God just really wanted to communicate some random messages. You know what I'm talking about? Like no specific central theme other than obviously the gospel, okay? And uh, last week we looked at one called Starting Over. And, uh, but this week we're gonna look at one called Lessons. It's fitting, we're about to start school. So we're gonna look at some lessons, all right? Lessons by uh, the, the great apostle Paul within the scripture in Ephesians chapter one. And that's a very special book for us here at our church because you see, we have a statement that we kind of minister by and it kind of goes this way, all right? We exist to glorify God by facilitating learning, passion, and excellence within our local church. So what does that mean? Let me break it down to you. We're all about, you need to be in the Word of God. You need to be in the Bible, all right? That's a central foundational uh, fact. We as believers need to continue to allow the Bible to be foundation for us, okay? Now the passion side is where the emotion kind of comes out. Don't you love emotion? Right, if you, don't have, if you don't have emotion, you're dead. We all have some sense of emotion within us. If you're married, you had a love emotion, all right? If you got kids, you have an anger emotion, okay? So we all have some emotion about us, all right? But if we're learning God's word, allowing the emotion side to follow, then guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna do the very best that we possibly can to live in excellence for Jesus Christ, amen? All right, so Paul is talking right out of the gate in Ephesians chapter one uh, to the church of Ephesus. And he's saying this, this is a central theme here. He's saying, look, you are chosen. Understand that you are chosen right now with where you're living and the time frame you're living, God has chosen you. So you are chosen, right? You are adopted. You're, ado you're in the family. There's nothing like being in the family. 
You could be friends, friends are on the outside, but when you become adopted in what, you are now part of the family. And then he says this, you are sealed. But uh, later in the chapter, Paul is praying a prayer over the, this church. And, and that's what we're gonna kind of work through and walk through this morning. Paul wants them to know that they need to be aware of all that God is doing in their lives. In other words, they need to have a revelation or um, I guess you could say maybe an illumination, an awareness that God is at work. Now, though this was meant for the church of Ephesus, we also know that the entire Bible is meant for every generation, right? So you need to understand that God is at work in your life. Now, awareness, let me, let me help you out. I like YouTube. I like YouTube. That's a downfall in my life. I love to go to YouTube. I like to find stupid videos on YouTube, right? Anybody like that? Yeah, okay. I love to find theological uh, videos on YouTube. I like to find videos on just whatever, you know, I'm looking, you know? And uh, there's times where my wife, she will have worked all day long and she's sitting there watching one of her Netflix shows. You know what I'm talking about? Netflix, you know? One of those shows that I'm absolutely bored with, okay? And so that's why I'm on my phone usually watching a YouTube video. That way we can stay in the same room and converse. Only she's talking to me and I'm totally into the YouTube video. And she's like, you're not aware of anything I'm, look, I saw some of you look at one another right then. So I know that the struggle is real, okay? And what happens here is the same thing kind of happens with God within our lives. He's like, look, I'm doing some things in your life and you're just simply ignoring me. You're not aware of what I'm doing. And so what we do is when we're not aware of, we think there's a lack. We think, well, God's not moving in my life right now. He's not answering the prayers that I want answered. And how about this? I'm just bored of reading the scriptures. And we go through all these different excuses. And really God is pointing out to us this morning, going like, listen, you need to be aware that I'm at work in your life. And Paul saw this. He saw this with the church of Ephesus that like, listen, God is still working within your life. So Paul is praying that there would be a level of awareness um, that, that they would come to within their lives. You know, we have struggles of lack of awareness. We miss opportunities because lack of awareness. Relationships suffer, marriages suffer simply because lack of awareness. So Paul is beginning this letter to this church of Ephesus and he says this, look, you're chosen, you're adopted and you're sealed, but I also want you to be aware and understand that I am working in your life and I'm doing things. Now let's take a look in Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 through 19. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of what wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So God is bringing or revealing things to us to make us aware simply so that we can get to know him better. Now I'm gonna ask this question, who in here would love to get to know God better? Well, let's become more aware of what he's doing in our lives. We have a lack of awareness. Why? Your, your attention is not on God. Your attention is on the seasons of life that you're living in. 
Our attention is on the news media. Our attention is within social media, the government. Our attention is within the financial markets. Our attention is with uh, sicknesses, quarantines, pandemics, COVID-19. Our attention is, do we go to school? Do we not go to school? Our attention is, when are businesses gonna fully open up? Our attention is, when are we gonna have coffee in the cafe? Do you like that one? Can I get an amen? Our attention is on so many things and God is saying, you're missing the point. I'm still working even in what you see as lack. (laughs) I look back in my life in seasons of lack, what I think is lack. I, I look in seasons of my life where I wasn't feeling God, but looking back on them now, I can see where God was strategically moving pieces all around, setting things up. So what does Paul say? Listen, your prayer needs to be, God, make me more aware of what you are doing. Make me more aware. He goes on to say in verse 18, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Do you know what that really means? Your heart may be enlightened. Listen, it's one thing to have a head knowledge. It's another to have a heart knowledge. There's plenty of people who have a head knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Lots of people have head knowledge. There's not many that you would not see on the street and say, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And they can tell you certain things about him. But what they lack is the heart knowledge, the relationship part. You cannot get to know somebody better if you don't first choose to start a relationship. How do you think you have your friends the way you have them? It's because you simply opened yourself up to say, I'm choosing to begin a relationship so we can have a, a, a friendship so that we can get to know one another better. How do you think you and your spouse got together? I mean, for, 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 for Andrea, God just dropped me in her life. It was amazing. It was a glorious moment. Maybe it was the other way around, all right? Listen, what God is calling us to is, is to become more aware and to get to know him better. Like, you know, a lot of times we think relationship is just factual. Like, for instance, I have three sons. That's a fact. Their names are Kyle. Carter, Caden, that's a fact. I have beautiful wife, Andrea, that is a fact. All right, I pastor what I believe is the, okay, this might be opinion, but the greatest church. In my mind, that's factual, okay? But if I'm not tied emotionally into this, into those relationships, into believing that, if I'm not, if I don't have a tie emotionally with some passion and with some zeal behind it, it's gonna be very lifeless. And sometimes we do that with God. He's saying, look, I want you to be aware of what I'm doing. And that's an emotional tie. He's saying, I want you and I to be connected in this manner. So let me ask you this. Is it possible to live around Jesus, but to never know Jesus? Well, yeah, it is. Humanity does it all the time. They, they, they have a knowledge of him, but they don't fully, have not been fully convinced to the point of surrendering their lives to him. For instance, great example within scripture, Judas. He never got to the place of who Christ was and taking it from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Many of our spiritual issues that we are going through are because of a lack of awareness. What we know in our mind as truth never becomes known in our hearts as conviction. When I have this awareness of Jesus Christ in my life and who he is, Jesus doesn't have to reinvent himself. 
We, we think he does all the time. Jesus, did you know, he is eternally perfect. He is one and the same. And when I'm the one who's getting bored of him, listen, it's not about him, but rather the problem is me. Jesus helps us to be aware of his presence within our lives. So Paul is praying a prayer and he's pointing out four things. Number one, the assurance of our hope. He wants us, Paul's wanting us to be aware of the assurance of our hope. Um, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. So everybody say hope. hope. Thank you. To which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We've really poorly defined hope. Okay, seriously, we have. Have you even looked at the, de the, the true definition of what hope means? Probably not, let me help you out. Here it is. It's a feeling of expectation, a desire for a certain thing to what happen. It's a feeling of trust. But here's how we look at hope. It's something we're not sure is going to happen and so we're just hoping it does. Are you following? We've twisted the meaning of what hope is. Hope is a certainty. It's a trust. It's not in question. Paul isn't talking about being unsure of something, but he's talking about having a confidence and an expectation that it is going to happen. He again communicated in the beginning of the chapter, he says, you are chosen, you are adopted, and you are sealed meaning God is going to finish what he started in you. And that is our hope. That is our certainty. Have you ever been let down by somebody? Yeah, it stinks all the time. More times than we care for it to ever happen. And what does it do? It really affects the relationship, doesn't it? Do you know what doesn't make sense to me? We've never, let, we've never been let down by God, Amen. but yet we, we allow let down to affect our relationship with him. Is that? Does that even make sense? No, it should not even be part of the equation. God has never let me down. We say that Jesus is our hope. Here's what we're saying. I trust in him and it's a certainty. He is the only thing in my life that is a constant. He is the only thing in my life that is absolute. Now, just before this in verse 17, Paul saying, I'm asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, listen, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so, so that you may know him better. What does this mean? Let me help you guys out. I'm gonna give you a story. I love, to, I love to tell stories, love to tell stories. It's always about my family. It's always embarrassing them and I always get in trouble later, okay? But listen, let me, let me tell you. Uh, so we've been married 12 years now. You guys are already tired of hearing that, that's cool. Um, but, but before we got married, what we, we had to be introduced. We had to date a little bit. And then finally, I had to come to the realization, which wasn't very hard, right? That she's the one, okay? So I, I, uh, I remember, you know, going, going to the mall and going to the jewelry store and going, oh, I don't have enough money for this. I was a youth pastor. That, that means I was broke. Absolutely broke. Okay, like you open my wallet, whew, cobwebs and dust. All right, everywhere, everywhere. So, so I'm like, well, what in the world? I'm not going in debt over a ring for her. Dave Ramsey, <laughs> financial peace, envelope system, right? Some of you are like, I don't get it. Okay, later maybe. So anyway, so we, um, you know, we know me. <laughs> I'm trying to find how in the world am I gonna get money to get a ring 
for her. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going through, I'm, I'm, I've, I've already hit mom and dad up. I've hit my brother up, you know, <laughs> family first, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And so one day, one day I'm, 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 you know, I come back from the mall. I, I knew what I wanted to get. And I come back home and I'm sitting in the living room and I'm doing what I did best back then was play video games, you know, <laughs> playing video games. Right. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there playing the video games and, and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, um, one day I come to church the next service and this little old lady, she doesn't she, she's passed on, but she attended here. She was great. Loved her. And um, she she said, Pastor Kevin, there's this new video game craze going on. It's called the Nintendo Wii. Do you happen to know where I could get one? <laughs> Do I know <laughs> how much you willing to pay? You know, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so, so in my mind, I'm going, oh man, this is, this is, this is, I got to sell this to get, what am I, I'm going to be bored sitting here all the time now, you know? So anyway, so I, I sell it. To, I didn't rip her off. I did not rip her off. Okay. Very, no, did not rip her off. And so she gave me the money. And so what did I do? I then went to the store, bought this ring. And then, you know, uh, a couple months later, got that on my knee, asked her to marry me. She says, yes, we're married 12 years like, you know, later. We've got three kids. It's a fantastic life, you know? But listen, 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 listen. Do you know that the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that you got the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you understand that? That is a great, one of the greatest gifts of all time. The Holy Spirit, what is it there? Empowerment, uh, discernment, so many giftings that come with him. I mean, it's absolute, he's a comforter. He's leading, he's guiding. He's doing all these fantastic things in our life. And it's a promise from Jesus himself. But the only way that ever came to be is because we have to what? Accept him first. Do you know what, what God did? He said, look, there are some people I love and I have to give up the very things that's, that's the most valuable to me in order to gain their attention, in order to gain relationship with me. And so he gives up his son, Jesus Christ. And with that comes a promise, a covenant, a covenant. We have so much value from God because of what he has given each and every one of us. Our hope, listen, listen, listen. Our hope is not in this world but our hope or our certainty is found only in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses 20 through 22 says, for no matter how many promises, this is a cool verse. Have you ever thought God's forgot about promises before? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't want to admit it. So I'm going to keep my hand down. All right. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, the second thing Paul wants us to be aware of is the value of your worth. In that passage, it, it, it went on to say, um, it, it talks about the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Have you ever read something in the Bible, didn't fully understand it, so you just kind of overlooked it and moved on? Sure you have. Um, let's not overlook this moment, this little phrasing here called his glorious inheritance. Do you know what his, now listen, it's not it's talking about our inheritance. It's not about our, we know what we're getting. What do we get? We're getting eternal life in God's kingdom. But God is specifically talking about his inheritance. 
So what is his inheritance? You are. You are. Have you ever had the dilemma for buying someone something who needed nothing? Yeah, that's very frustrating, isn't it? If they did need something, they had all the resources in order to purchase what they needed themselves. So what is it do we give God? And once we get this, it changes everything. What am I worth to God? Well, you are is inheritance. Paul says it this way. The one thing that God didn't have and wants is you. That's what he wants. That he gave his only son to purchase you, to pay for it himself. Now, you know, do I have any collectors in the room? Do you collect something, maybe decoys or, or uh, baseball cards? Baseball cards? Yeah, yeah, all right. Some of you, are you guys awake? Like 8.30 was like, I think they were on energy drinks, you know? Some of you are like, it's mid-morning slump, all right? <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, you, you, you collect things. I, I'm a, I, when I was growing up, I was a huge sports card, baseball card collector. Loved it. In fact, you know, you go to my attic, you're going to find tons of them. So don't come and rob me, please. I just told you where they're at, all right? I got to move them now, all right? So anyway, so I, I got all these sports cards. And what I would do periodically through the years would check the value of them because I wanted to see what they were worth. Why did I want to know what they were worth? Because I want to know how much somebody would actually pay for them if I ever needed to get rid of them. <laughs> I needed to do that back in the day, didn't I? So anyway, so I, they were valuable to me, so I didn't want to get rid of them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's bad. That's bad. So anyway, so anyway, so, you know, I, I would go through and, and over the years, actually the market for those cards kind of like went downhill real fast. There wasn't much in it. So the other day I'm sitting here talking to my friend and he's talking about sports cards and some of them have gone rose in price. And so in my mind, I'm going, man, I need to check this out. I, it's been a while. So I went to the attic, pulled a couple down, looked them up. I had one card jumped up five times what the value was that I last remembered. And this, I was, I was ecstatic. Why? Because I know that's something that somebody would, have, would pay for what I have. So what is it? There's a lot of value in it. God sees you so valuable that he gave up the exact thing that was the most precious in his sight. And that was his son, Jesus Christ in order to purchase you to be within the family of God. How amazing is that for us? You know, God, for instance, he threw the stars in the heavens. Guess what? Cost him nothing. Stretched the universe across the canvas of reality. It cost him nothing. He filled oceans with water. It cost him nothing. He produced vegetation. It cost him nothing. But you, you, you cost him everything. Our redemption is only possible because of the very best came, died on a cross and his blood was shed. He resurrected from a tomb so that we could be God's inheritance. Paul is saying that I pray you will understand the value of your worth. Hebrews 12 and two, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. At the lowest point of the Son of God, his living hope was you, was you. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 reads, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that what surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of God's 
fullness. We will understand the love of God when we get to know God from what? The head knowledge to the heart knowledge. The psalmist wrote in 103, 10 through 12, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So when we now see the love that God has for us, it should turn us to true repentance. All right, the third thing that Paul wants us to be aware of is the power of your relationship. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20 reads this way. And in and his in, incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, the power that you have in your relationship and the thing that you measure that power against is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? If we were to talk about the power of God, we would probably first look at the creation. God in a moment, what did he do? He speaks a word, things happen, things are created. How many of you could use a word spoken in your life, right? All over this place, I'm sure. You look at the vastness of God's creation. We see the beauty of what we can see and even what we can't see. I'm gonna throw a number at you for a minute. 10 billion trillion. Can you even comprehend that number? That's the number 10 with 21 zeros at the, at the end of it. That's not to um, downgrade your intelligence at all because I had to look that up, okay? 21 zeros at the end of 10. That's how many stars they believe that are in the skies. That's a whole lot, isn't it? Our sun is one of these. Now watch this. The amount of energy our sun produces in one second is equivalent to 2.5 billion of the largest power plants and what they can produce in one year. So our sun produces in one second all of the electricity ever needed for one year. God created this. He spoke all of this into existence with, a, with simply a word. But there yet is a power that is greater and that is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to create something from nothing, but it's another thing to take something that was dead and make it alive again. We think we have gone too far for God to work in our lives, to revive us, to ignite a zeal or a passion. We think we have gone to the place where God can't do. Listen, the power that took something that was dead to make that alive again is the same power that is available to each and every one of us as followers of Christ. But it doesn't come through the, through the head knowledge only, but it also comes through what? Relationship, the heart knowledge. Second Peter chapter one, verse three says, and we looked at this in our last sermon series, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, praise be to the God of our father, of our, of, to God, to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we know this, we have worth. We have value, we have hope, we have relationship, but then here's what Paul is wanting to bring to our attention. And that is the certainty of God's 
church. Ephesians chapter one, verse 20 says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. In other words, the battle has already been won and Jesus Christ is securely on the throne. There's no question and we know that. But listen, some of you may battle fear, frustration, doubt, disappointment. Maybe you've lost something in this season of life and you're anxious and panicking over the next season of life. Paul is saying, rest in the fact that God has yet still a plan for your life and this plan will be unfolded through the church. We are imperfect people. The church is imperfect, but Jesus Christ died for the imperfect. This shows the passion that Jesus has for each and every one of you. So here's a question. If Jesus was that committed to the church, that he would die for the church, how committed should I be? We should have a, 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 a position of confidence, the assurance of hope, the understanding of my relationship, the value of my worth, and the reality knowing that God has established something great in our lives. In closing, Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse eight, the beginning part of that scripture says it this way, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Let's watch what God is wanting to do in your life. Will you stand with me this morning? A lot of times people will, will, will say things, well, I've, I've, my life has been so bad. I've done so many things. Let me help you out. If you still have breath in your lungs, God still has purpose for your life. Yeah. Let me repeat that. If you still have breath in your lungs, God still has purpose for your life. But you can never live out that purpose unless you first accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. Reflecting back on what Miss Margie spoke on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. To understand the gospel message, we must also first understand what it is not the life that we once lived, the sin that we have lived through. But yet Jesus Christ seen a price that you could not pay and paid that price for you. So maybe you're here today or you're watching us online or you're listening to us on the radio and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. Today's the day when the relationship, it can come to be. It can start right now. The greatest decision you will have ever made, I promise you, that you will never regret. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, if that is you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, I would like for us all as a church to pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, today I come before you humbled. I am a sinner, but I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins come into my life, be my Lord, my master, and my savior. Help me from this day forward to live according to your purpose, your plan, and your will. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Man, there's nothing like it. Listen, listen. You have so much value in the eyes of God. Don't ever downplay that. Don't ever think your life is insignificant because that is not true. God has a great present for you, a great future for you. You know, last week we took a look at remembering our past and going back. And sometimes we need to be reminded of where God has taken us from in order to appreciate where we are now. I'm so thankful for all that God has given me in my life. I know that you are as well. Paul is, is, is praying a prayer to this church and saying, look, be aware of all the vastness, all the complexities, all the marvelous works that God is strategically doing in your life. Why? Because he loves you. I wanna pray with you this morning. Father, we love you. And God, we come before you as broken people. We come before you as exuberant for all that you've done in our lives. We come before you possibly sad and downcast, but we also come before you rejoicing and praising. There's so many different emotions that are represented in this room and in our online audience and in radio, God, that they're all, everyone's going through something different. But Lord, let us never forget the relationship. There's power in the relationship that we have with you. Lord, that there's value that you have in us, God. Lord Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price for us. Let us be aware of all that you're doing in our life. God, reveal yourself to us more and more every day in our everyday life. May we see your hand moving strategically and working, Lord, in all of our lives. God, use us to help fulfill that great commission, spreading, Lord, your gospel message all across this land. And Father, for that, we say we love you and we thank you and we praise you. And as, a, as, as the psalmist said, let the words of our heart, let the meditation of our heart, Lord, let the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen, amen. amen. Even the pastor can mess up a scripture. <laughs>